Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast, where we discuss the well-being of a Christian business owner and the different facets of growing a business, all from a Christian perspective. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Shewardi Emi. Thank you for joining us once again. And today we have a guest who's returning. Uh, the last interview or conversation we had was so amazing that we thought it had, we had to do an encore. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a lot of requests and a lot of message, private messages. And even though we talked a little bit about your book in the last conversation, we never actually talked about the book itself. We just mentioned a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is Money Mindset Shift Church Edition, the top nine myths that keep Christians stuck financially and how to get unstuck, live debt free and build wealth. Now, if you missed the last episode, uh, we're going to be talking to Tony Crindell. Tony Crindell is the author of this book. Uh, She's a Ramsey Master Financial Coach, a certified neuroscience coach, and she's also a high-performance success and wealth coach and an international speaker. She's helped clients pay off over a million dollars worth of debt. If you can believe that. We're pushing two million that right now. Amazing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we are pushing two million dollars of debt paid off. Um, we were just compiling numbers from 2020 and it's about to blow up. Like we're literally still adding people are messaging us. I paid 70,000 off. I paid 60,000 off. So we're, we're adding it up and I, and we're already pretty close to two mil. So I'm, I'm really excited really, about that. That's amazing. Um, your story is one of perseverance, one of uh, just staying true to who you are in Christ and owning that, yes. owning that and just growing into that. Right. And we're yeah. going to talk about that a little bit today because uh, Christians, sometimes we, we can get stuck in our own heads and we have this misconceptions about what God's word says. And, yes. and then we get stuck in that. And before I actually start the interview, I, I have a soapbox that I want to talk mm-hmm. about like, on my heart is, so I came from a Pentecostal background where we, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of name it and claim it. Uh, God wants to bless you. God has a good plan for your life. And if you're poor, it's because you don't have enough faith. You're not given, you're not enough. given enough. And even though there is a lot of the, the, that message, uh, there's a lot of error to it when it comes to the prosperity teaching. Mm-hmm. So when I left that mm-hmm. side of the of of Christendom, if you would say, mm-hmm. I, I, I went over to the reform side, uh, mm-hmm. where money is almost we talk about it, but the idea of being wealthy almost becomes a taboo, almost becomes. Yes. That uh, you cannot be if you're chasing wealth, not wealth or wealth, mm-hmm. state, but if your ambition, mm-hmm. your ambition, if, if, if you have any sort of real financial goal, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it somehow takes away from your, um, you somehow mm-hmm. not content. And yes, I have at different times struggled with the idea of that thin line between ambition. And contentment, mm-hmm. yes. right? Where I know that I've been called to more, and I'm hungry for it because I, I need to step into 
my calling, so to speak. And so I know that in order for me to do what God has called me to do, I need to grow mm-hmm. financially to be able to yep. impact the lives I want to impact. And yeah. although I'm grateful for what God has blessed me with, I know mm-hmm. that this isn't it. Right. I know this isn't it. And so in that Mm -hmm. perseverance, there's been that uh, constant battle within that. Okay, I'm persevering for more, but I I still need to make sure that I'm content in all that God has blessed me with. And I'm sure many believers also struggle with that. And so we're going to talk about some of those myths and why we have those beliefs and Mm. Wealth for wealth of it in and of itself may be wrong, but if mm-hmm. if God has given you a heart and a desire and a passion to do things, to impact things, and an opportunity, an opportunity, yes. we need to step into it. And I remember my wife and I having a conversation years ago, and there was this struggle where we're in an environment, we were in an environment where most of the mothers uh, were homeschooling their kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And she we both work outside the home. And there mm-hmm. was this unspoken unspoken idea that she was somehow not godly enough because she did not pursue not homeschooling or why are both parents working outside the home? One of them should be in the home. And almost uh, it, mm-hmm. nobody ever said that, right? Nobody actually ever mm-hmm. said that. But there was almost this unsaid mm-hmm. pressure that maybe we were chasing too much or someone mm-hmm. should stay home. The mom, the, she should stay home and watch the kids. And we always mm-hmm. felt that kind of, should I call it a battle? And that like, we know that God has called us to more. We have responsibilities beyond of our immediate families, people back home, Family, right. ministries that God has placed in our heart that we want to support. And so yes. we've had to wrestle through that and what that looks like in, how do we continue to pursue the things that God has placed in our heart uh, mm. while still staying faithful to the other things in, in terms of our, our kids, you know, yes. our discipling their hearts and, you know, you know, yes. mentoring them and all those things. And so I was discussing this book with my wife and she's like, yeah, like I totally get it that this, these are myths mm. that many Christians struggle with with and so yes. we're gonna talk a little bit about them so uh hmm. i'll get into the first one that 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 came to mind was the idea that if i become successful i become somehow hmm. less holy or mm-hmm. i i am going to forsake the god who has abandoned, abandoned my faith That's can right. you talk to us about that yes Yeah. um, First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me the first time. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode and and sent in just the messages of how you were impacted by it. I'm so excited to have this conversation because I truly believe that the more people who hear this and talk about it, just start having these conversations. It literally liberates us to represent God in so many areas of society and to do that well. 
So um, one of the myths that I talk about in my book that holds a lot of Christians back and keeps them stuck in debt and keeps them financially stuck is this belief that if we have more than enough finances um, or if we have too much, whatever too much means in your own brain, because we all have different limits in our mind of what too much is, that once we have too much, our hearts are somehow going to turn away from God. And I think a big part of why we have this underlying fear or, or belief around this is because so much, so many of us have, have grown up and heard, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. But for many of us mm-hmm. in our circles, we didn't really hear the love of money is the root of money. all evil. We heard money is the root <laughs> of all evil. And so we have this apprehension of the entire conversation. It's so funny that you mentioned, Sharon, that, you know, when you transition, it, it was like two extremes, right? One extreme of name it, claim it, um, uh, just you don't even need to do anything but pray for it and, and give money and, and you're going to be wealthy. You're going to be a multimillionaire. And then there's another extreme of we just don't talk about money. Because if you talk about money, then all of a sudden you love money or, you know, and I writing this book, I mean, being called to have this conversation, this is literally what I do is help people to rewire their brain around how they, they, they handle money. I was the worst person. <laughs> For God to choose to have this conversation. I was the worst person. My husband would tell me, Toyin, you're not running a business. I was so afraid of the money conversation that I wouldn't pursue invoices with my clients. Like I just stayed away from it because I didn't want to be labeled as someone who cared more about money than I did Jesus. Like Jesus is my number one. And I mean that I'm not just saying it because it's cute. I mean, we've made major, major, major life decisions and tiny decisions based on our faith. And so when it came to my imagining a life with wealth or with extra money. I had grown into such a pattern of God was our provider and what that looked like was drowning. So I'll give you guys a practical example of where this mindset uh, plays out and what the Bible has to say about it. So many of us, when we believe that, you know, if, 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 if I have too much, I'm going to be less connected to God. I'm going to be less reliant on God. I'm going to have less faith than I do right now. It's because we've taught ourselves that faith is only present in lack. So it's only when, you know, you have to go, Jesus, 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 to pay your bills that you're really displaying faith. And often when we share testimonies of how God has moved in our lives, it's when all the chips were down and everything was gone and I had faith and believed and then God came through and he provided. And so I used to live that lifestyle. I used to live off of miracles. That's what I call living off of miracles where we didn't have almost anything at all. And every month was a miracle. You know, every month we needed God to provide rent. We needed him to provide for the bills. We needed him to provide food every month. And God starts teaching me in the word out of um, the children of Israel. So there was a time where they were in the wilderness. 
And in that time, he gave them manna, which is miraculous. I mean, it's food falling from the sky every single day, providing for them. They didn't need to do anything. They just trusted and relied on God. And this manna came into their laps. But there also came a point where they got into the promised land. And the manna stopped. And they had to work the ground. They had to till the ground. They had to, that land of milk and honey that we often talk about didn't just produce milk and honey because it was just flowing. They had to do the work to receive the milk and honey that was in the promised land. And God started really schooling me on You've been living off of miracles, but is it possible, Toyin, that you could love Jesus and not, like, uh, let me reframe it. Is it possible to have more than what you need for your immediate family and love Jesus? And it wasn't until Mm -hmm. I I got to meet a couple of multi, multi, multi millionaires. They run companies that are completely global. You know, they they oversee maybe, they steward, because it's about stewardship, hundreds of millions of dollars in their companies. And And so in my mind, if someone had tons of money like that, they're not really people of faith. Like, they could be Christian. They're not. But they're not hardcore. But... They're not hardcore. They they're yes. not pushing Christ they, like, they, with all of their they, heart. They're like they're, they're somehow that. divided. Yes, their they're focused on building that wealth. So I meet these these men and women, and we start having multiple conversations, like multiple. So I'm just in their space now, and these guys love God. Like I don't mean casual. Uh, I go to church every Sunday. People. These people preach they share the gospel i remember one of them sharing he was just talking and he's like you know there was a day where someone came to his boardroom and these are they they own secular businesses uh someone came to his boardroom and he felt the holy spirit give him a word to share with this person he shared with the person the person said could you pray for me he prayed with this person and the person fell down in his office like fell down (laughs) physically and nobody else in the room is saved so they all look at this dude and the guy on the floor and they're like what is going (laughs) on and he was like it's the power of the holy spirit but he didn't get into all of that but like these guys love jesus i remember they were the ones who taught me to give 51 percent of my company to the lord so 51 percent of our tangible profit goes to kingdom projects like radical pursuits of Jesus. And after seeing these guys, I was like, oh, oh, wait, you can be okay in your family's finances and trust and need to trust God. And it's so funny because now we've expanded in our business and we've pressed into the calling of God to liberate other people from being stuck financially. And we've Mm -hmm. seen his blessing come in. And I realize every day I require faith because when you are stewarding at a greater level, I've actually found that I am more reliant on the daily minute by minute, hour by hour direction from God today than I ever was before. Because for example, there are 13 families that work in my company that 
like our company is helping to provide for their families. There are hundreds of clients that are coming to us. So the, the pressure didn't disappear because there is money in the account. And that, that is so that is so correct. Uh, it's just a reminder that faith in yes. anything yes. but Christ and his and his power is exactly. not faith. And that's not what keeps us. So faith in remaining stuck, faith in not pursuing, um, once again, not wealth for mm-hmm. wealth of itself, but wealth to to accomplish the desires that God has placed in our hearts. God has placed on my heart a desire to 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 bless ministries. I, yes. I always refer to uh, Tyndale. I always refer to a lot of yes. these missions that they that do the work of God and. Th- the work of God yes. runs on money and God has called some of us to support those yes. initiatives, to support those missions. And so push into what you need to do, push into wherever God has placed in your heart and do not limit yourself by uh, that because that's and not, that's not true. Like this that's is the true. kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all of us taking our different positions and being willing to add together. You know, when you look at the book of Acts and the apostles, they, all brought what they had to the feet of the apostles and it was given to the people who had need, but there were people who had mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring to the feet. Mm-hmm. Like if That's everyone right. only had need, there'd be nothing to share, but the people who had and the people who didn't have all brought it together. And, you know, especially in That's COVID right. right now, this has been one of the biggest eye-openers to me of the fact that money is a way that we can express the love and the kingdom of God in a practical way. Because this past year, you know, we as a family challenged ourselves to say, wow, we are in a completely different place than we've ever been. How can we practically like give back like we've never given back in the time of need for so many people? And it was the most exhilarating thing to be able to do that because to do that, because in the to past do that. we would try and then we couldn't pay our bills that month and so we too needed help the next month and it's like, that's right that's that right that's right where it's you see genuine need and you can actually be the hands and feet of christ to that person or to that ministry it, it it's it's amazing it's a blessing it's amazing you, you said something here uh, some people wrongly believe that you need to be wealthy or to have things to have a love for money. You can yes. be broke and still yes. have a love for money. If you're dependent on material things to give you peace or joy, whether those things are not, you have Precisely. a love for money. And it's the truth because often it, as in the Christian culture, we've taught ourselves or we've learned that it's the people who have much money that love money. But the truth is I do this mm-hmm. work of looking and helping people to look in the mirror. That's what I call, I call it looking in the mirror and being very honest with ourselves. If you find that you snap more at your kids, let's be practical now. You snap mm-hmm. more at your kids <laughs> when things are tight financially, then maybe money has a place in your heart. Maybe money affecting mm. your your character you know if you find that there's many people who may not have money but that's all they think about morning until night you know there's many people that that the trust in god is difficult because their trust is in money the only difference is they don't have it and so if 
think that it's the amount in our bank account that so if I stay in struggle, at least I'm keeping myself from the love of money. That's where we lose that the love of money is a heart condition, not a state in your bank bank account. The bank account is just numbers. And I always say this, I say this in my book, money is neutral. It is nothing. It's nothing. It's a tool. But I found that it is a tool that will often show the character that's already inside. So if you love God, and you have a lot of money, guess what? You're gonna use that money to honor God. If you don't love God and you have a lot of money, guess what? You won't. <laughs> and money doesn't money doesn't change you. It really does reveal right. the state of your that's heart. Exactly that's it. it. It reveals the state of your heart. And um to debunk that myth, you can love money without actually having having money. money. And so the idea that um, I don't want to pursue wealth or I don't want to pursue success Mm -hmm. because I don't want to have a love for money is wrong because (laughs) you can't have the love for money either (laughs) way. So if you have goals that God has given you, if there's a calling that God has placed on your life, you might as well trust him and pursue and obey the area that he's calling you to. And the thing that the thing that motivates me in that is to be a good steward. Because he is, God is not Santa Claus. God is not this picture that we have in our generation of this Santa Claus dude who's just like, anything you want, I'll give it to you. And you have no responsibility and you don't have to do anything. Mm, And I mm, just got mm. your back and we can just be friends. Like God is God. God is the creator. He created us. He gave us every single talent, ability, opportunity. Everything that we have is his. And he Mm -hmm. found it fit to entrust these things to us, even ideas, even business Mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. He could have given it to anyone else and he gives it to you. And I, I think we need to be aware that he is not on the last day going to look at you and go, oh, you're just so cute and you did nothing with anything that I gave you. But I mean, like if you read the parable of the minas or the parable That's, of the talents, yep. please guys, let's be real. Go, you know what's interesting is in those parables, he was talking about money. <laughs> you know, we That's talk right. about the parable of the talents and the minas, and we, we talk about it like it's giftings, right? So we'll say God has given all right. of us different levels of gifting, but yeah. in the verbatim language that Jesus used, he was saying, I gave this person $10,000, and I gave this person $5,000, and I gave this person $1,000. Obviously, this is not to scale, but it was actual money, and when the person misused it, when they were not a steward, when they buried what was given Mm. to them, because why did they bury it? I was afraid that, you know, you collect where you don't reap. I was afraid, so I buried the thing, and which is what I was doing before this. I had the the ideas, but I was afraid. So I would always say, my my, uh, director of operations, we've run together for many years, and she laughs at me because she was with me when she was a volunteer. And she, t- she tells me, we talk about how back then, anytime the business started getting successful, I would feel the Holy Spirit say, it's time to shut down whatever was successful. 
and let's start all over in something mm-hmm. else. Every single time. And I would say the Holy Spirit, I feel the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, that was fear of success that was just and fear, fear of money. Mm-hmm. And so, guys, that servant was afraid and buried the talent. And, and the Lord's response to that person was, you wicked and lazy servant. Guys, I'm not mm. making this up. I'm not being mean. This is scripture. And we're not taking this out of context yes. either. It's it, it's what when we look at that that parable, to him who's given, it's expect it's, there's an expectation to work that which you've given Precisely. and and grow Precisely. it, not bury Precisely. it. And so it is not it is not more holy, which is we're gonna get into that in a yes. second, to be poor yeah. or to remain where you That's are. Right than it is to pursue and to till and to work that That's which God has placed in precisely. your hands. Yeah. Right? And which leads us to one of the other myths you said, uh, being poor is holy. Mm-hmm. That idea that it's it, it, it's somewhat related, but it's it's different in a sense that we somehow feel that I'm more holy, I'm more righteous when I am poor. Yeah. Talk about So many, like, and, and <laughs> it's funny because once again, a lot of these myths, guys, these were things that I believed. So please hear my heart and understand that I am not saying this to you as a judgment. This is literally what I used to believe. I remember I sent out an email to uh, people. So people had joined my email list to be debt free. I, I coach people on being debt free. It's not the only thing we do, but it was a big part of what we did. And so this person is on my list for being debt free. And I sent out some sort of a survey that was like, what's your goal? Uh, You know, um, where do you want to go financially? And a bunch of people answered. And this one person responded to me and said, Christians are supposed to be poor. And I was like, I paused. I was like, first of all, if you believe Christians are supposed to be poor, why are you on my email list then? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if poverty is the Christian thing to do, then why are you on an email list to find out how to not be in poverty anymore? And also, I realized that, like, if we don't, if you believe this, doesn't matter how much work you do, doesn't matter how many jobs you do, doesn't matter how long you've been in business, it doesn't matter how much you consolidate your stuff and you roll it into the mortgage and you all the things. If if there is a part of your heart that believes you are more holy, poor, than you are mm-hmm. in obedience. Then mm. you've missed the definition of holiness. of holiness. And that for me was where I started to, to ask the Lord and study, what does holiness mean? Because holiness is, not, God never said, um, uh, the poor are holy. He said, be holy. And holiness is a standard all on its own. So it's connected to what we just said, where you can have some poor people that are not holy. Let's be honest. Mm. And you can have wealthy people that are not holy. holy. Because holiness is a standard all its own. Holiness is about being separate. Set apart. It is about being exactly set apart. It's about being consecrated to God. It's about living your life for the Lord. And so when you Mm -hmm. start to understand what holiness looks like, 
It's freeing. I love, I love to talk about the holiness of God. It, I used to think that the holiness of God was, you know, it was one of the reasons I stayed away from becoming a full hearted Christian for so long was because I thought holiness was like rules and restrictions and do's and, mm-hmm. and, and all this stuff. But when you start to understand what holiness means, it is freedom. Because yes. Holiness means I belong to him. I belong to him and I go where he goes and I do what he wants. And you see holiness in the example of Jesus Christ, where he said, I only say what the father says. I only do what I see the father doing in heaven. That is what holiness looks like. And so we have this culture where the people who are suffering the most just seem to be more pious. It's just a Mm. culture thing where if you are in suffering, if you are in poverty, then look at how much you have sacrificed for the sake of the gospel. gospel. Here's the thing I realized. I remember there was a friend who, when I started my coaching company, helping people in their finances, the friend actually was like, Toyin, are you still saved? You know, um, and, and really (laughs) every time I would say, like, let's say I post something about you need to be mindful about how you use your money so you can pay off your bills. Right after this one friend, I love him, um, would post and say so many Christians have fallen into the love of money. You know, and so every time I would talk about money, he was like, look, whenever you talk about money, you're falling into it. And I remember it was real love where he spoke to me and said, Toyin, are you st- like, do you still love Jesus, though? Let's let's be real, Toyin. And in the beginning, I talked, I remember speaking to him about this and his point was, I enjoy suffering and I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel. And I'm like, I agree with suffering. I've been there. Okay. We didn't have food. I've Mm -hmm. I've actually probably, I've I've evangelized. I've probably been more persecuted than normal believers in the West. So I'm like, I get that. But from what I'm understanding, you just want to suffer. So this isn't you doing something for the glory of God. This isn't God telling Mm -hmm. you. This is you saying we don't earn enough money in our family to feed our kids. And that's okay because we're suffering. So therefore, some way, somehow, this type of suffering must be... Is what God... must be holy. It must be... Yes. And it was so interesting because it wasn't until a few years later that the same person reached out to me when they've had enough suffering unrelated to the gospel, because that's what I want to highlight here to say, okay, if I don't change this, my wife may commit suicide. And this was a legitimate conversation. And by the time we had that conversation, they said, we need to look at what we really think about money. And they ended up doing our program, transforming their life, having hope and freedom and being able to build again. But it only came when we had to acknowledge that not all suffering is for the gospel. Some that's right because we're just not being good stewards some suffering some suffering we're not willing to learn some suffering is because we're not willing to humble ourselves to say hey maybe there's something i don't understand about living life on Mm -hmm. planet earth and i could learn from somebody else thanks for listening to part one tune in next week for part two you can follow us on instagram twitter or facebook at true wealth pod You can get in touch with us by sending an email to podcast at truewealthpodcast.ca or by visiting truewealthpodcast.ca.